Hello, my name is Trent Matthew, and joining me here is... Michael Greenwood. Excellent. And um, we decided we'd just create a bunch of conversations based around the topic of pedophilia. Both of us have unwanted and involuntary attraction towards children, yet despite this, we've decided to obey Christ and not act in accordance with these feelings. In no way do we condone sexual involvement with children. It is inherently harmful and it goes against what God wants for our sexuality. Although we have pedophilia, this doesn't define us. It's something we have. It is not something we are. Instead, our identity comes from our relationship with Christ. And we made this channel for other people who might struggle in this very problematic area of sexuality as well. And we want to encourage you to say that you are not alone. This isn't just you. There are other people out there who struggle in this as well. We want to support you as much as we can. We want to try and get behind you. Also share with you the amazing things that God has done in our life and how he has really given us a sense of value despite having such a difficult challenge in our life. So here today we have uh, Michael, and Michael's going to tell us a bit about his story. All right? Thanks, Trent. Let me first off start by saying that I never would have imagined that I'd be sharing my story on the internet, or with anyone for that matter. Uh, for the greater part of my life, it's actually been something very terrible, something that caused a lot of pain. So to be on the other side of that now and feeling like I can extend hope to others by that story, that's, that's a phenomenal change. So starting back at the, starting right at the beginning, when do you think was the first time you sort of found out that you uh, had this problem? Yeah, so I really didn't start recognizing the attraction for what it was until later in my teen years. It was really a process of discovery. I think when I was 12 or 13, I looking back, I know that I had feelings for kids, particularly boys, but at the time I didn't recognize that as sexual or romantic. I just thought I would grow up like everybody else. And what's odd is I, I was attracted to girls at one point, but so much seems to happen during adolescence. Your body, your mind changes, and, and somewhere out of the darkness almost, like out of nowhere, I, I just couldn't escape the fact that I was attracted to kids, like boys. And, and it took years to really recognize that. I wasn't until I was 18 that I actually could know that that's, that's what was happening. And it was terrible to discover. When this thing finally hit you and you couldn't sort of turn away from it, what was your reaction to that? Like, what happened? Well, it was process. Little by little, I came to that realization. See, I, it was an internal thing. I came from a, a good family. I grew up in a good family with a mom and dad who loved me. And both of them were Christians. They were devoted to the Lord. They raised us that way. And I had a relationship with the Lord, even, even during that time, even since I was a kid. And so I never expected something like this. And, and I, I think the first time it really started to grip me, I was probably about uh, 13. I went to see a movie 
that the main character was a boy, and I was just smitten. Even then, I, I, I didn't want to think that my feelings were romantic, or certainly, certainly not anything sexual, maybe just affinity. I thought maybe I was drawn toward children, but it bothered me how much I was affected. In fact, some of those feelings, I recognized how I was supposed to feel about girls. And then as I turned 14 and 15, and I became more aware of what sexuality should be and how people should feel, the more I couldn't escape the fact that I had these feelings. And I started to know what they were. I could put a label on it that, that hey, that's that dreamy romance, or that's, that's that flirty feeling, or my body's reacting and you know, you know, down there and, and it shouldn't be. And I I think I had to almost reach 18 years old before emotionally and mentally I could say that I was attracted to children. And all that time it was in secrecy. I certainly wouldn't tell my, my parents because I, I could barely tell myself. And I certainly wouldn't tell anybody at church because I was too horrified. I was in denial. It was the safest place to be. And so it literally felt like I had this dark closet where something terrible was in there. And, and I wanted to pretend it wasn't, that, that it didn't exist. Not, not that I felt like I was, there was going to do something bad, but that this, that this reality that I could be a pedophile. When that finally, when there was no longer any denying it, it just drained my world. So when you say drained your world, like everything shifted, your whole perspective on everything, you know, how did this affect your view of God growing up? Like you said, you had a relationship with the Lord. How did that, did, did that take a turn for the worst or what happened there? Even though at 18 years old, I, I, really, I could put a label to it and I could say that I was a pedophile, that I was attracted to boys, I still wanted to remain in denial for, a, for as far as my functional life. You know, I was graduating from high school. I was going to be going to college. I was involved with programs and things and sports or whatnot. And this, this, I couldn't handle it, so I, I knew it was there, but I had no way to deal with it, no tools for that. And so I was easiest just to go with the flow. Go to church, good Christian kid. You're going to go off to college. You're going to be everything you should be, you want to be. Everybody says you should be doing and what I wanted to do. And I just kept pushing it back. And in the dark, quiet place of my heart, I would cry out to God saying, I don't know what to do with this, but if you don't help me, this is going to take me out. I knew that I would either end up in jail if I harmed a kid. I would end up dead perhaps if I killed myself, but the best option was I could be a hermit on a mountain. And I expected that that might be my future. Sure, I could finish college, I could stay, keep myself occupied, and, and who knows what, but eventually, eventually the, the busyness and of life, the achievements to do, it would, wear, it would grow thin, and at that point, I'd have to go head up my, into my, up my mountain and be a hermit or something. Cause, because the other options, I had certainly never wanted to harm a child. And, and praise the Lord, I haven't. And I didn't want to die, per se. So during those college years, I, I just knew that 
that struggle was up ahead and I just quietly trust with a hope, a hope that God could see me through. But in the meantime, I didn't want to think about it. I dated a, a gal shortly in college, although it was not, not physical, not to, as friends, know each other and, and left that partway through college. And I just tried to be as normal as possible because that's what I wanted. I in no way had any desire to pursue those feelings and I tried to push them back as far as possible. Now, obviously, um, obviously, you didn't, you haven't stayed in that uh, stage, and you know, you went on to start the website. The website is Christian Pedophile, if you haven't heard of it, dot um, com. That is. And so, how did you go from staying completely shut off to deciding that you wanted to start a website and help other people? Uh, that's a great question. Well, what happened was I did finish college, and I did hit that point where there wasn't any of those achievements and things to keep me busy right then. I hit that point in life where, for normal people, typical people, you're, well, what, what, what's going to come next? What am I going to do? And that's when this crisis came to the forefront. And that's where I was telling God, okay, now I need to deal with this. I need an answer. Because there's no running, there's no escaping, there's no distraction any longer. I need to know what to do. And God, in his mercy, sort of like your story where you have, when you needed him most, God reserved a special moment where a closeness, an answer, a help that sees you through. And he talked to me in my heart in that knowing that he would help me. He would set me free, actually. But I, I would not have, I must not be ashamed of what he did for me. And so with that understanding, I took that step forward, believing that he would set me free. And in keeping with not being ashamed, I, I started to write, started to formulate how God was setting me free in order to share that with others. So you started to write. Um, there must have been a big step to just click the submit button and watch your work go online. Yeah. Now, interestingly enough, that click that submit button was probably about 12 years later because when, <laughs> when God said he would set me free, I, 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 I honestly, I expected at some moment uh, I would not have these feelings anymore. I I could look at a child and and there would be no not even it wouldn't even come to me I, that there was a possibility I could be attracted to them any longer. I'd be normal. I'd be a normal adult attracted to adults without this. And I I thought I would be healed in a miraculous way. I would go up and get prayer. I would try to suppress feelings. I I, I did everything to try to make that miracle take place, but it it actually didn't happen that way. In fact, God led me down a journey a lot like your story where people came along and, and helped. Realizations came in the midst of crisis. Little by little, I recognized that being free meant that Christ would have his victory in my life in spite of this challenge. That's not to say that God doesn't heal people. He does heal people. I know he does. And I, I'm sure there's some person out there who's struggled with minor attraction that God has healed, where it's, it's no longer part of their experience. But 
Like I said, that wasn't the case for me. However, I will say that he has led me to freedom and that being attracted to minors doesn't control my life. I have remained above reproach with a clear conscience toward God through this time. Not to say that in my imagination or mind, I, I've, I, I've had moments of struggle, but he, God has made good on his promise. And I suppose that promise being that he'll cleanse you, he'll take away your sin, that we have the blood of Jesus on us now, that we don't have to rely on our own works, on our own merits. Yeah, most definitely. And that's the starting place for sure, because with something like this, where you're having these feelings toward children, there's a lot of shame. Almost every person we've talked to, you and I online or whatnot, there's always that element of, I hate myself just for the fact that I have this struggle. And in Christ, we're forgiven. We, in Psalms, it says he does not despise the affliction of the afflicted. He doesn't look at us and say, ooh. We are broken sinners, but just like everybody else. So it starts off with that forgiveness. But from there, it moves on to honoring God with our sexuality. And how do we, as people attracted to minors, how do we honor God with our sexuality? And what that means is putting God's will, what Christ said, above our feelings and saying, I want what God has for my sexuality more than to simply chase after feelings. And at the same time, it's a faith that God's just not going to leave us sitting there, not leave stranded in that place that he can bring intimacy, that he can bring relational fulfillment in our life one way or another. Of course, not being involved with a child, but perhaps uh, with an adult spouse, with friends, with others, but he leads us to victory and he leads us to life. And it's a joyful thing. It's a good thing. It's a thousand million times better than if I were to pick any one of my three options. Yeah, so in one sense, I mean, it's such a great thing when you see the cross and you see the blood of Jesus and you realize what God has done for you. And it's like, well, if God actually likes me, then that changes everything and I'll want to follow him and I'll want to read his word and hear what he says to me and I'd want to submit my life to him and I want, to, uh, and I want him to be my Lord and Savior. So it's kind of a different thing than just uh, trying to be good and just wishing that these things would go away and spending all of your time in your prayer closet just saying, God, take it away, take it away. Oh, most definitely. And you hit it right there. It's, a, it's about that relationship with God. There is no other way we could make it through except that God comes alongside us. And he meets us just where we're at. Like, I remember I asked God at one point, a few years into it, like, why am I still struggling with fantasies? Or why am I struggling when I, when I see a child in public, I, I, I you know, get tense? And, and God told me, he said, hey, it's because you're, you're, in, you're entertaining it. You're going there. You're, you're kind of, you're not wanting to touch the fire, but you're getting warm. And, and that really hurt. But to know that God loved me and was holding me accountable that helped me along. And, and there are other times where the comfort he gives is so much. Like, he'll just say to you sometimes, son, I know you're struggling. Just trust in me. It's going to be okay. You can rest right now. You can just rest. And so 
God doesn't just give the commandment and then leave it at that. His commandment is actually a promise of what he's going to do in you. If he says, honor me with your sexuality, what that means is he's going to fulfill that in you, step by step, day by day as you walk with him. So it's like he started this work in you and he's going to bring it to completion. He's not going to, it's like someone building a house, he's not going to lay the foundation and then build the walls and forget to put a roof over it and then blame the house when the storm knocks it over. He's going to give you that grace, that everyday grace that you need just to um, just to rely on him. Often it gets talked about grace as being something in your past. So it's like that idea that, yeah, I used to do all of these bad things back then and the grace of God saves me from my past sins. And then if someone, you know, struggles like into the future, sometimes people can get the idea that, oh, this grace doesn't exist because God saved me from the bad life and I'm saved now. So now does, does God expect me to be perfect and, you know, walk perfectly and be completely sinless on this side of heaven? And I think you really made a good point where you said, well, I mean, it's it's not like that. Yeah, people struggle and you certainly are sensitive towards sin and you hate sin and you hate it in yourself, and you're fighting uh, with everything you can to resist temptation. But God's grace, his love for you will keep you, and he'll uphold you. And like, let's just say hypothetically, like if something bad happened, like if you stumbled or something, it's not like God's finished with you. He's still there, and him knowing all things past, present, and future knew that that would happen, and he's still going to be there for you. Of course, that doesn't mean that we should just go out and sin because we're saved by grace. You know, Paul in Romans tells us not to have that attitude, but just to always be in that zone of the cross where we always recognize that God is our Father through nothing less than the blood of Christ Jesus, and that is the most powerful thing ever, really, isn't it? Yes, you said it just right. And to be a pedophile, someone attracted to children, and a follower of a Christ, honoring God with our sexuality by not indulging those feelings, but obeying what Christ said, walking with him each day, it, it's a victory. It's a sacrificial love. It's a challenge we face with Jesus right beside us. In a way, it's a sacrificial love toward children, that if we do care about them, we won't hurt them. It is a great thing. It's an honorable thing to be a minor attracted person who honors the Lord. It's a victory in the midst of struggle. And that's what victory is. This side of heaven, we're always going to be standing up, being the person that Christ called us to be. And that means that today I'm going to honor the Lord. And today I'm going to make those right choices. And then victory tomorrow, and this year, and then next year, until we stand before him and say, we walked with you, Lord. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. We all look forward to that day, don't we, when um, just, just to be completely sinless, standing before the throne of God with no more you know, unwanted desires, no more anxiety, knees that hurt or anything like that and just to be with the God who loves us just so much.
If anyone out there listening to this, if you are struggling, first of all, I want you to know that God is not just mad at you because of this struggle, that he loves you and you're his child. Also, that God is not stumped by pedophilia. It's not the one thing he just doesn't know how to deal with. No, Jesus is our Savior for all of us, and he is more than able to help each person walk to victory in a personal relationship. Well, thanks, Michael, for uh, sharing your story. And yeah, and all of the great things that God's been doing in your life, working in and through you. Next time on the show, we're actually hoping to talk about and explore just the concept of shame, guilt, and value, what it means for someone to have a sense of worth. And we look at how that worth can be found in Christ. If you're out there struggling and you need to talk with someone, help is available. You can go to our website, christianpedophile.com. We have a support email there. It's support at christianpedophile.com, and you can get in contact with Trent and myself. Also, we, we uh, recommend virtuouspedophiles.org. They're a group of people retracted to minors who are committed to not offending, and there's a lot of support and a lot of care there as well. All right, so this is Trent Matthew and Mike Greenwood. We're signing off on this episode, so we wish you all well, and God bless. Goodbye.